So the biography of Hazrat Ali, how, how does that come about and how do you place that in this journey? Thank you. This was uh, after what I, I'd written, like three or four books. One was on Pakistan's extremism. One was on the nuclear history of South Asia. One book on Taliban called The Taliban Revival, which was well acclaimed. And now I was thinking of my next book project. And what uh, was always kind of intriguing for me was um, how in the post 9-11 world, on the post-terrorism world, in the last 20 years or so, uh, and being myself being a Western Muslim now, an American uh, Muslim, um, I had seen how the understanding about religion is so much colored by, by extremism and terrorism. And uh, keeping aside my political science background and my role as a teacher, as, as a Muslim myself, I always thought uh, whenever someone looks at you as a, identifying you as a Muslim, which is very easy to with your skin color and your beard and your name, the first questions that come to you are about extremism. Why is that so? Muslims have produced so many uh, poets, uh, artists, cultures. Look at, I mean, this is not a uh, history of, this is not a religion which has not produced uh, art and culture or anything from Fatimids to Ottomans to Safavids to Mughals, uh, you name a region of the world. Muslims have ruled the world. Uh, Muslims' uh, architecture, art, painting, poetry, uh, scholarship, books of science, uh, the world and their universities are full of those. How come in the modern sense, everything revolves around Islam is linked to the idea of Al-Qaeda and ISIS and Taliban, etc. So one was that urge always to, to, to do my bit to reframe these issues. And I thought the only way to do that is not by telling people that, look, we have such a, a rich history, but actually presenting something. And uh, so uh, one was the idea to write a biography of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and that there's, there's no dearth of that. Luckily, and so many Western writers have done that as well. Uh, however, I thought that the idea of religious extremism is so much linked to the sectarianism as well. And that I had reached this conclusion based on my own research, which had told me that whether you look at ISIS or, or, or Daesh, uh, first and foremost, they are a sectarian identity. First, they had started killing the Muslim minorities or the Shias. Then they would go big. Same with Al-Qaeda. Same in some cases with Taliban. So, or with the, the Shia extremist groups also. The first, they would come after their, their own opponents within their religious tradition. Then they'll go after somebody outside. So the first point, as I mentioned, was about talking about Islam um, in an educative uh, way. The second, this theme was trying to figure out how sectarianism has been so damaging to the Islamic cause. And I thought the only way I can now reach out to my Muslim audience is by saying, look, what you think is the divisive force or what you believe to be the fork in Islam is actually a bridge, a bridge that builds the whole religious tradition. Ali, there's no one else than but Ali who brings everyone together in so many different ways. Um, uh, and I'll give just one example and I'll go maybe deeper later on. Um, you pick any biography of Ali and I, um, I was able to get hold of... Um, getting the books on Hazrat Ali Karamullah Vajo um, from, from everywhere, and whether you call him Hazrat Ali Karamullah Vajo or Hazrat Ali Alayhi Salam or Hazrat Ali Razila Talano, um, each of these is apt for, for anyone. There's no distinction. Uh, but every tradition believes in him in a way that is very unique. 
um, I found, and I was telling this to some of my Shia friends, what I found in Sunan Nisai, this is one of the six Hadith books, primarily for the Sunni tradition, uh, Sunan Ibn Nisai Ibn Shoaib, uh, the Fazail Ali or Fadail Ali or, or the traits um, and characteristics of uh, Ali. I said to my friends, I have, I've said so often, I have not found any other book that praises Ali ibn Abi Talib the way this book Sunan ibn Nisai does. And this, if, if, if there has to be one book on Ali that I recommend to anyone, I will say read what, Sun, what Sunan Nisai, the Sunni jurist or um, hadith collector says. Um, same, you go to the Sufi tradition. There's no Sufi tradition without Ali ibn Abi Talib. For the Shia, the view, of course, is that uh, Ali was the successor and the heir of the Prophet in a way that all the spirituality as well as political uh, succession comes through that. So, but each view him as, as a common theme. So I thought uh, from that point of view as well, Ali's personality is one. And they were no, to my utter surprise and my editor's utter surprise as well, there's no Western academic press that has ever published a biography of Ali. That to me was stunning. And last but not the least, uh, being in the West, I've lived in England as well. I did my law from uh, Nottingham Uni University. I remember uh, with my own children as well and, and the younger Muslim generation, um, they, 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 I'll not call it an identity crisis. The second, third generation young Muslims are very proud of themselves. They are doing great. But the Western Muslims have a very different kind of uh, confusion which is linked to uh, sectarian issues. And I thought I, I need to reach out to the young Muslim in a way that they feel proud and they, they get something filtered beyond a sectarian lens. That was at least the effort. So these were the three things which inspired me to write on Hazrat Ali ibn Abi Talib. Well, that, that is definitely fascinating because personally for me, the book kind of came as, as a revelation to me as well because of the incidents that we are, as personally as a Muslim, growing as a Sunni Muslim, uh, the kind of stories that you hear about why exactly is it there a divide, the beliefs that Shia have about Hazrat Ali, or, um, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of obscurity about the area of what happened during the time of the Prophet's succession, and, you know, how did things transpire, this this kind of, how, how do you see when, when you know, some, some people like the Sahaba, who are very revered in Islam as the by predecessors, um, conflicts between them arise, kind of make make it, you know, they kind of bring a crisis around you. I was like, how can our ancestors who have such, you know, pious, they're they the Ashur al-Mubashara, they've been guaranteed paradise, and they are having quarrels and fights among themselves, so petty worldly reasons of politics. But then, with that mindset, and when you read the book, it definitely comes out, uh, there's so many colors that come out, there so many facets that come out, so many things that you start to realize. We are not, the book also doesn't completely essentialize them to their human nature, while at the same time showing that it is possible that, that, that you know, these things happen and look at what it's like, how they were able to transpire and, and the kind of culture they've created, the kind of ideas that they have, identities that they have created is also absolutely fascinating. 